2 Corinthians chapter 6, if you would please this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We had a wonderful service in the 9.30 hour. The Holy Spirit of God met with us, and I praise the Lord for that. And I'm asking the Lord to do the same uh, here in this service as well. And uh, altars were full this morning. I believe people were helped. I want you to continue to pray, if you would, for Suzanne Sears. She was not here today. She had chemo again, but her numbers are coming down from her chemo treatments. And so uh, that is an answer to prayer. So if you'll please continue to pray um, that uh, that chemo will continue to work in her body. And uh, just, Lord, to give her strength as she's going through those treatments. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. And the Bible says in verse number 1, this is... An epistle that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. The church at Corinth, the second epistle this is, the first epistle was when he wrote, they were saved and then they began to backslide and began to live in sin. They went back and began to live in the same bondage, same sin that they were living in before they got, before they got saved. And Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote to them and taught them and instructed them help them to get from that backslidden uh, state to the place where they were pleasing the Lord, serving the Lord. We come to 2 Corinthians, and Paul is writing as a second epistle to this church at Corinth, and he says in verse number 1 of chapter number 6, when we then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. He says, I pray you, beg of you, beseech you that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted. In the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, thou is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Giving no offense in anything, that the ministry be not blamed. I want to preach this morning to you, and I pray that you would be praying throughout this message that the Holy Spirit of God would speak to you. This morning in the first service, we had several interruptions to the, to the message, and, and I was not surprised by the interruptions, knowing that this is a subject matter that I believe that uh, we need to hear in this hour. But I want to preach a cold heart leads to a, a hard heart. A cold heart leads to a, a hard heart. And I'm asking the Lord to do as he did in the first service, to speak to the, the depths of our soul. I'm praying that you would allow the Holy Spirit of God to minister to you, to speak to you, to challenge you, to correct you. I'm afraid there's some that are growing cold. There's some that are growing indifferent to the gospel, to the word of God. Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, and it could be said of the New Testament church today as, as well, this is the day of mercy. This is the day of grace. And what he's saying to the church here at Corinth, this is the time to get right with God. This is the day. This is the message, this message that Paul is speaking, this message that I will be preaching today. It's, it is a message of grace. 
We're living in a day of grace. We're living in a day where God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But we see the world that we're living in as it, it is just going, spiraling out of control. The problem, though, is not that the world is spiraling out of control. We expect that from the world. But what's happening in many of our churches today that, that the Christian's heart is becoming cold and callous is on the border of becoming hard. This is a message of grace, but also it's a warning. Because Paul says in verse number 2, For he saith, I have heard thee in time of accepted. He says this in the last part of this verse, and in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. He says, behold, now, today, right now, don't put it off. Don't turn away from the gentle calling of Jesus Christ. Don't allow your heart to continue to be cold and calloused, and, 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 and don't allow your heart to go any further to where it becomes hardened. Don't put it off. Jesus said this in Matthew 24. In verse number 12, he said, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. He's speaking of the last days. He's speaking to his disciples of what the end times are going to look like. And, and he's giving them a warning. And he says, And because of iniquity shall abound, because sin shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. He's giving them this warning. As a matter of fact, he says in verse number 8 of the same chapter of Matthew 24, and there are the beginning of sorrows. He's giving this this warning as, as the day of Christ approaches. There's some that are going to wax cold. I believe we're living in these last days. If you were to study the Word of God, if you were to see the events that are taking place here in this world, you would have to come to the conclusion that many have come to that Jesus is coming again. I don't know that many say, well, Paul thought the same thing, and every generation since the New Testament church has thought that it's their generation that Jesus is coming again. But I would say this, the prophecies that have now been fulfilled, there's nothing left uh, needing to be fulfilled. Everything is set in order, and everything is, is set in place so the return of Jesus Christ it can come. I believe at any moment, as a matter of fact, I believe this, before this message is even done, Jesus Christ could come again. Because of that, we need to be ready. Because of that, Christian, there's no time for a Christian to have a cold heart in jeopardy of having a hard heart. I see the things that are happening in this world. We're living in a time of unprecedented greed. We're living in a time of, of just iniquity running rampant. We're living in a generation, we're living in a time of, of, of sexual uh, 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 deviance beyond description. I saw this week, I read an article this week of a, a mom in Texas. She put on Craigslist a picture of her, of, 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 of her two-year-old uh, daughter and said, does any man want to have fun? Two-year-old daughter. Didn't realize that she was then uh, corresponding with undercover police officers, but then she agreed to meet up with these men. She put her two-year-old daughter on a bus and, and began to, to go to meet this man that she's been talking to for $1,200. She was going to sell her two-year-old daughter. 
Boy, we hear of these things more and more. Sexual perversions are beyond description. The things that are happening in this world, it's because men and women's heart have become cold and become hardened to the truth. Jesus said those times, in the last days, many will grow cold. In church, I believe this. In church today, Many hearts have become cold. And many hearts are now on the brink of becoming hardened. Many Christians. Listen, I'm saying to you today, this is not the time to reject the loving call of Christ. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, today is the day to trust him as your Savior. He could come at any moment. He could come at any moment. He could come at any time. If you're a child of God, today is not the day to allow your heart to continue to be hardened. It's not a day that you would just, just allow your cold heart to become hard to the gospel, to come to hard to the truth of the word of God. This is not the time. If, this, if there's a generation for Christians to be a lighthouse, if there is ever a generation for Christians to live the, uh, the spirit-filled life, I believe it is this generation for us to do this. Coldness leads to hardness. I want you to do this as we hear this message preached today. I want you to evaluate your heart. Right now, just in the quietness of your heart, I want you to ask the Lord, is there any coldness in my heart? Am I becoming cold? Am I on that verge of coldness now becoming hardened to the truth? Because if that's the case, then I beg of you, I plead of you today to allow the Holy Spirit of God to soften you. I want you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews, if you would please. The book of Hebrews, chapter number 3. Some believe the author of Hebrews is Paul. Others believe it was another author. For me, it really doesn't matter who wrote it because I believe the Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and therefore this is inspired of God. It's not one man that wrote it. It was the Holy Spirit of God that inspired this man to write this book. We believe in the inspiration of the Bible so therefore when we come to verse chapter number three we believe the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to us. The Bible says in verse number seven wherefore as the Holy Ghost saith today, if we, ye will hear my voice, hear, hear the author, hear the Holy Spirit of God is, is, is challenging us, is pleading with us. Today, if you will hear my voice or his voice speaking to you, I believe this, you are not here by accident. I believe that the Holy Spirit of God has you here for a specific reason, for a specific pur uh, purpose in his desires for you to hear his voice today. In verse number eight, the Bible says, harden not your heart as it is a provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years. Wherefore I was grieved with the generation and said, they do always err in their heart and they have not known my ways. In verse number 11, so I swear in my wrath that they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you, 
an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. He says, but I exhort, but exhort one another daily while it is called today. And that's what I'm, I'm doing today. I'm exhorting as the Bible commands here. I'm exhorting, I'm doing just as the scripture commands. I'm exhorting us today. I'm preaching today. Exhorting, the Bible says, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. What he's saying is someone, someone's got to stand and exhort you and challenge you. Someone's got to stand and, and cause you not to allow your heart to be hardened because of deceitfulness of sin. What's that deceitfulness, that sin, thinking that sin is going to satisfy, thinking that sin is going to give you what you need, thinking that sin is going to pleasure you, thinking that sin is better than walking in the Spirit of God, thinking that sin will cause that cold heart, and it's better to live with a cold heart or a hardened heart. But my friend, as a Christian, we should live with a soft heart yielded to the Spirit of God. Last night in the early morning hours, about 1.30 or so, I was wrestling with this message. I was laying in bed just wrestling with my thoughts and not with, should I preach the message? I knew it was of the Lord, just wrestling with it. I was anxious in my spirit. As I was thinking through this message, I was grieved for our nation. I was grieved for our churches. I was grieved for our homes. I hear almost weekly someone that watches or listens to our podcast or our TV station or messages on Facebook. And just about on a weekly basis, I'll hear a, get a message of somebody that will comment or say something. Matter of fact, this morning, before I even begin to preach the second service, I got a message from someone that watches our messages on TV each Sunday evening. And I realize that their audience is even greater than those that sit here at the 930 and 1050 service here in this room. Knowing that, knowing that someone could hear this message, I said, Lord, why are so many hearts cold? I was wrestling with that laying there in the wee hours of this morning just asking the Lord this question. With everything you've done for us, why is there a generation of Christians whose hearts are becoming cold? I searched my heart. I wrestled with my own self and asking God to reveal anything within my heart that needed to be revealed and confess anything that was there. I had a message as, as I was going through this, as I was praying and just anxious in spirit. One thirty in the morning, my phone went off. And normally at 1.30 when my phone goes off, it's not a, a good thing. It was a text message. And normally it means somebody's sick or somebody's in a hospital or somebody needs you. And I was already awake and I grabbed my phone and I looked and it was a preacher friend of mine from Virginia, West Virginia. And he said, I just awoke and the Lord put you on my heart. I know it's early in the morning, but I wanted you to know I was praying for you. Boy, it gave me such peace. It gave me such peace because I knew what I was wrestling with 
was of the Lord, and I knew that because confirmation came. He put it on a heart of someone else to, to pray for me that's many, many miles away, and when I got that message, I, I felt such peace. Lord, why are so many hearts cold? The Lord said in my heart, the early morning hours of this morning, put it in my heart. He said, I made you a watchman. I set you upon a wall to preach. I set you between two paths, a narrow path and a broad path. To preach and to warn. Preach and exhort. Preach and to cry out. Why are people cold in their heart? I believe, I believe. Why is there such sexual perversion taking place, not even just in this world, but, but, but in the church? I could name without even thinking, just, just roll off a, a uh, ten or a dozen or so men that used to pastor churches that now are no longer pastoring, some sitting still in jail cells and others that served time because they were allowed sexual perversion to take place in, their, in themselves. Why is there such sexual perversion? Because the watchmen have weakened their message. We live in a day where we believe, us watchmen, us pastors have believed and we've convinced ourselves that it's true that you can't preach hard against sin, that if you do, you, you, you can't build a church. Matter of fact, I was at a bookstore with my wife this past week and I was just scrolling through some books and in, in, in church growth books and, and saw some things and read some things in some churches and how to grow a church and, and, and I, I, I disagreed with some of the things and some of the things I thought were great, but one of the things that, that uh, they tell you, don't preach hard against sin. Don't judge people. Don't, don't preach. Don't use that word sin. And I believe this, the reason why the church sits in coldness, the reason why the church sits on the brink of hardness, the reason why the church is in the condition and Christians are in the condition the way they are, because the watchmen stop preaching. They've gone soft. They've weakened the message. Why is homosexuality and biblical marriage accepted? Not in the world, in the church. I just heard recently, just read an article a pastor sent me just recently of, of women homosexual pastors who feel a calling from God. I said, what do they do with Romans chapter number one? How have we gotten to the place where this is what's taken place in churches, I'll tell you why it's gotten to this place, because the watchmen live in fear. The watchmen are supposed to stand there proclaiming, exhorting, preaching truth, but now they live in fear. They don't want to touch subjects. They don't want to touch sinful things. They don't want to touch certain things because they, they're afraid of what might happen. Listen to me, I believe the reason why churches are cold today is because pastors have stopped preaching against sin. I sin so accepted in churches because the watchmen have been silent. The reason why sin is so accepted, it's talked about, it's joked about. People just accept it anymore. The reason why I believe is because watchmen have been silent. 
In the Christian church today, why is alcohol such an issue? I believe it's because watchmen have stopped preaching the sin of drunkenness. Why are Christians so easily offended? It's because watchmen's message is so shallow. We've stopped preaching the suffering of Christ. Oh, there's so many churches that preach the prosperity gospel. There's so many churches that preach that if you just come to this place or just get saved, all your problems are going to go away. You won't find that in the Bible. We've stopped preaching the suffering of Christ. We want to have a life where there's no suffering. We want to have a life where there's no persecution. We want to have a life where there's ease. And I remind you to go back to the first generation Christians. And that's not what they were looking for when they got saved. They knew persecution was going to come. When they got saved, they knew that sacrifices were going to come. Go back to the book of Acts and read of the first generation Christians. When they got saved, they said, I'm going to sell what I have so others could have. I'm going to, I'm going to give up what I have so that others could have uh, 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 their needs. Needs be met. I'm going to go and I'm going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in places that have never heard the gospel. I'm going to endure suffering. You read through Hebrews chapter number 11, the faith chapter, and you'll find Christians that got, that got thrown to the mouths of lions. You'll find Christians that were destroyed and killed by gladiators. You'll find Christians that were skinned alive. You'll find Christians that were dipped in oil. You'll find Christians that were used as, as burned as lanterns in the streets of Rome. Today we have such easily offended Christians. So easily offended. Something doesn't go their way and they get easily offended. I believe the reason why is because watchmen, pastors have stopped preaching. The messages are so shallow. We weaken the message. Many Christians sit cold. Maybe some even today, today sit cold on your way to hardness. You stop preaching on hell. They say to you this today, if you want to build a church, don't preach on hell. People don't want to come and find and be judged. Don't preach on judgment. The reality of this is though the Bible speaks of hell. The Bible speaks of a place but the Bible speaks of grace and mercy. A person doesn't have to spend eternity in hell. There is, a, there is a, the gospel, the good news that tells someone that you don't have to die in your sin, that Jesus Christ came to this earth, that he is the way, the truth, and life. And if a person would confess with their mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in their heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. They said, don't preach on judgment. But the fact of the matter is every single person is going to stand before a judgment seat. Those that are lost are going to stand before the white throne judgment and they're going to give an account for their sin and they're going to be cast into the lake of fire forever separated from God. And those of us that are saved are going to stand before a judgment seat of Christ and we're going to give an account of how we live this life. I'm simply saying to you today, Christian, today, this generation is not the time for us to harden our heart, to live in a cold, callous life. If there's a generation that Christians need to be sincere if there's a, Christ, a, a generation that Christians need to live a sacrificial life, if there's a generation that Christians need to live a spirit-filled life where the Holy Spirit of God is molding us and directing us and guiding us, today is the day for us to live that. He said, don't preach about the wrath of God. Well, if you don't preach the wrath of God, you can't preach in the holiness of God. 
because of the holiness of God. God cannot allow sin into his presence. Therefore, he must cast out sin before him. He cannot allow sin into heaven. Therefore, those who have not been washed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, they will be forever and ever and ever eternally separated from God. How, as a Christian, can we sit cold? How, as a Christian, can we sit hard knowing that's the truth? say there's some three billion people living on planet earth today that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, we live in an age of grace. Today, we live in an age of mercy. God is long-suffering. And Christian, listen to me. Today is the day for us to get right with God. I wrestled this week as I prepared this message, as I wrestled this morning in the early hours of this morning. I wrestled with this thought, there's no fear of God left in our land. There's no fear of God left. I was at the fair the other night, Friday night I believed it was, at our booth. There's a couple other men there with us. Gary was there. We walked up, a man walked up, a young man walked up, and in that booth at our fair, it's, there's a question, three things God cannot do. And you open the door, and it tells you there's three doors, and each door tells you what God cannot do. And that question causes a lot of people to wonder. God cannot lie. A man came to that booth. He came up, and he was just laughing. As he walked up, it kind of got my attention as he was laughing. He's just laughing, and he walked up and opened the first door and laughed, opened the second door and laughed, opened the third door and laughed, and then walked away just hysterically laughing. I said to one of the men, I said, what is you laughing about? And he said, I don't know. And he went and asked me, he said, hey, buddy, what's so funny? And he said, I don't believe that there's a God. I don't believe that there's a Santa Claus. Well, we agree half of the same. I don't believe there's a Santa Claus either, but the Bible tells us there's a God and every knee is going to bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We live in a nation that doesn't fear God. We live in a land that's turned their back on God. The Bible says to fear the Lord and depart from evil. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. The Bible also says by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from their, their, their evil. And over and over and over, you find that the fear of the Lord is the answer. The fear of the Lord. And I'm afraid we've lost the fear of the Lord. I'm afraid we've lost it in our churches. Afraid iniquity abounds, the heart grows colder. Some even that'll hear my voice, whether it be in this message or on a podcast or on a TV program or a Facebook later on, whether it be today, tomorrow, or next year, those that hear this voice that are saved, their hearts are growing cold, their hearts are on the verge of becoming hardened because they've lost the fear of God. 
Because of that, they've turned to sin. Won't listen to me. I know it's not popular in today's world, but you need a watchman that'll stand and preach the gospel. We need more than ever a preacher that'll point his finger in our chest and say that sin is wicked and sin is evil and sin keeps us from fellowshipping with God the way he desires and and that, that the fear of God is the answer. There were times when the Holy Spirit fell upon congregations. I love the read of churches of yesteryear. I love the read of times where they were having a service and the Holy Spirit of God fell upon that place. The revival broke out. I think of men like Edwards that would stand, just simply stand and read his message, sinners in the hands of an angry God. It was not no passion, just monotone, read that message, and the Spirit of God would take that message and work in the hearts of people, and revival would take place, and sinners would be saved, and Christians would, would depart from, from their hard, hardened heart. They would soften their heart to the Holy Spirit of God. Revival would break out. But I'm fearing in many places it's gone. Revival begins when a cold heart is revived. So often we want to think of revival, somebody else doing something, but revival takes place when the Holy Spirit of God has free reign in your heart. Revival takes place when you allow the Holy Spirit of God to soften you, to convict you. Why a Christian would want to go to a church where they never experience conviction is beyond me. Why would you want to come to a place that's easy to hear, easy to understand, easy to live. There ought to be times of messages of grace. There ought to be times of messages of mercy. But there's got to be times where the Holy Spirit can point his finger in your heart and say, that right there, that's got to go if you want me to lead you. Revival begins when our cold hearts are revived. How do I know if I'm cold? The day you were saved, God gifted you with a talent to use for him. The reality is there's so many Christians that have talents and they're not using them a bit for God. In our church alone, there's so much to do. There's classes right now, classes where we need adults to teach, adults that'll commit and I believe this. I was thinking this last night in my heart. I, I, I know of a class that I need to find a teacher for. And, and I'm looking, I'm saying, this staff member, they're already busy doing this. This staff member's doing that. And this staff member's doing that. And I went through all of our staff and I thought, boy, I, I can't ask any of them to teach this class. And the Holy Spirit of God convicted me and said, I didn't just gift your staff to teach. There's people within the body that I've gifted to teach. The problem is this their hearts are cold, they don't want to teach. classes that are go untaught. God's gifted you with something. Your gifts need to be used. Some say this, it's too much of a commitment. It's a sign of a cold heart. God's gifted you with something and he's given you a talent to use and you say it's too much of a commitment. My friend, that's a cold heart. 
heart on the verge of hardness. If God has gifted you something, you should exercise that talent. I'm so glad that God, Jesus, when God said there's only one way to redeem mankind back to me, the blood of bullocks and lambs and, and pigeon doves, they're not good enough. I need to send you, my son. You must go to the earth. You must be born of a virgin. You must live a sinless life. You must go to the cross, a cruel, a cruel, cruel punishment, a shameful punishment. And upon that cross, they're going to nail you to this cross by your feet and by your hands, and your blood is going to be shed. And when that blood is shed, it's going to be presented on the mercy seat in heaven. And when that blood is presented on the mercy seat, any man that comes by the name of Jesus Christ, any man and woman, child, boy, and girl that goes by the name of Jesus, any single man, child, woman, boy, or girl that says with their heart that they believe in Jesus, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ because of your shed blood that atonement that will be made will be an atonement for their sin and I will reconcile them back to me for all of eternity. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't say it's too much of a commitment. Yet we as Christians, our hearts are hardened. They're callous, they're cold. And everything that Jesus Christ did for you on the cross He's never asked you to go pay your sin debt. It's already done. Someone said this, I'd willingly die for Jesus. Jesus didn't ask you to willingly die for him. He asked you to live for him. Isn't it funny? Some of us think we die for him, but we won't live for him today. Listen, my friend, if you won't live for him today, you won't die for him tomorrow. Some said this, I don't have time to serve. I asked someone just recently, I said, you've got a talent, we have a need, and he said, I don't have time. I begged him, I said, what do you mean you don't have time? If you truly believe that Jesus Christ had come before this message is finished being preached, and you don't have time to serve him, you believe in a heaven and a hell, and you don't have time to serve him, you believe that the job of the local New Testament church is to get the gospel out and, and, and disciple. And, and if you don't have time, if we as Christians don't have time, then who's going to go? Listen to me, Christian, if you don't have time to serve, then who's going to serve? If you don't have time to give, then who's going to give? If you sit with a cold heart, a hardened heart, then who's going to go? puts on my heart speaks to me in my heart and says you must provoke them you must provoke them they have to feel unsettled listen to me I think it's good I think it's healthy I think it's, it's of the Holy Spirit of God at times when we come to the church and we feel unsettled We need to be careful that we don't come to the church with a cold heart and leave with a cold heart. I think the Holy Spirit of God ought to work. When the watchman stands and provokes, when the watchman stands and exhorts, the, 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 the hearts must feel unsettled when they hear the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God begins to work. 
I ask you right now, just right now, will you check the temperature gauge of your heart? Would you do that right now? Just between you and God, would you do that? Would you say, God, what's the temperature of my heart? Am I cold? If it's cold, if it's hardened, will you allow the Spirit of God to have his way today? Jesus is coming soon. Half the world sits in darkness. Our country has lost its fear of God. Churches have softened the gospel message. We've stopped preaching against sin. We've stopped preaching against suffering. Matter of fact, in most churches today, the Holy Spirit isn't even mentioned. He's not mentioned because we don't even know what he does. We don't feel his prompting. We don't feel his leading. The Holy Spirit is the one that Christ said, I'm going to send a comforter. The Holy Spirit is the one that's guiding us and directing us. He convicts us. We can go days, we can go weeks, we can go months, we can go years. And the Holy Spirit not speak to us. I'm so offended anymore when people say to me, this is what God's told me to do. As you're living in sin, as you're not walking with him, as you're not in his word, as you're not in prayer. This is what God told me to do. When did God tell you to do that? In the middle of your iniquity? As you put smut before your eyes, as you're gossiping and lying and living a deceitful life, is that when God told you? So many Christians blame God for things that God hasn't done. We need to get back to listening to the Holy Spirit of God. We need to get back to listening to the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. We need to get back to, to, to confessing sin. We need to get back to living a spirit-filled life. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 1, the Bible says, Paul, writing to Timothy, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, he says this, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. This isn't Paul saying, Timothy, I want to give you a few things. I've loved you, Timothy. No, this is Paul's first epistle to Timothy, his son in the faith. He says, Timothy, I'm writing this. The Holy Spirit is speaking through me. He says, in latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Their hearts are going to become cold. Their hearts are going to become callous. Their hearts are going to become hardened. We're going to be a lighthouse without a light. We're going to be salt without savor or flavor. We're going to just be going through the motions. We're just going to be called Christians, but not acting like them. 
Oh, as long as I have a sign that says, for as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. As long as, long as, I, as, long as I have that hanging, then we're a godly family. But you fight and you bicker in that home. You watch things of ungodliness. You scoot to the privacy so your spouse can't find you into the, under the computer in the middle of the night or hours where they're not awake and, and, you, and you, you, you feed your, your evil, wicked addiction. That's the way of the church. church, would you allow the Holy Spirit of God to convict you? I beg of you. I stand as a watchman in your life pleading with you, warning you. There's a judgment. There's a heaven. There's a hell. Life and it's death. If there's a generation that needs to get right with God, it's this generation. If there's a time to get right with God, it's today. If it's a time for us to evaluate our hearts to be sure that our cold hearts aren't turning into hardened hearts, it's now.